All right, so on the uh, first week uh, of our Give-Tober series of messages, it was, uh, there's a few things I wanted you to remember, and this was one of them from the first week, and it was this statement, put treasures in heaven. I wanted you to remember that from our first week, put treasures in heaven. Last week, our theme was this, God wants our everything. He doesn't want just a little bit. He wants our everything. He doesn't want half of us or three quarters. He wants everything. All of us is what God wants. So today we're going to shift our focus a little uh, from reasons why we want to be generous with with our gifts. And I want us to focus on why we're giving in the first place. Why are we doing this at all? Uh, And here's a a statement I want to read to you. You see, giving is the evidence of the Spirit working in our lives. That's what giving is. So today remember this, the Spirit is working. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember this, the Spirit is working, okay? So if you take notes, that's all you need to write down. It's awesome. You're done. You can just leave. I don't know. Anyways, here we go. Don't leave. Okay, today would you open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 11. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward to this. So let's begin. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in you, the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. So let's start from the beginning of this passage. Freedom is in Christ. And Christ is freedom. That's what it is. That's what this uh, uh, text is saying to us. So our first point today is this, and it's an easy one to remember. No condemnation. Our scripture leads with the statement, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. You see, the spirit of life sets us free because of Christ's death and resurrection. That's why you and I are free is because of his death and resurrection. Because of what Christ has done on this side of eternity, you and I have freedom on his side of eternity. Because of what was done here, we're free there. You see, the beginnings of this earth were formed by God. He made it so that all natural laws are made under his power. He has absolute control and authority over everything that happens in the universe. See, God the Father is judge over all things. 
Nothing is done without his permission, without his authority. The scripture reminds us that spirit is life. That's what the scripture is telling us. You see, church, we are literally a drowning people without Holy Spirit lifting us up. We're drowning without the Holy Spirit. You see, the spirit of life enables. The spirit of life enables. Conversely, or in opposition to that, the law disables us. It doesn't allow us to take that next step. Here's a quote for you. The flesh leads people to oppose God, so they are unable to obey. But the Spirit dwells within believers and empowers them to do God's will. You see, the mindset of the flesh opposes God. This is one of the things I talk about the most, in, and I see it so rampant in our world. And when you really begin to look deeply into our lives, our society, and our culture, it becomes a dark road because the mindset of the flesh opposes God. That's, what, that's why we feel, some of us may feel out of place in this world or we're so bothered by statements of people that are so blatantly wrong. And it's because the mindset of the flesh opposes God. One commentator wrote this, Moses' law has a right, but not might. Sin's law has might, but not right. The law of the Spirit has both right and might. And that's the truth. Another uh, commentator wrote this, the law is weak to us because we are weak to it. The sun cannot give light to the blind eye, not from any impotency in itself, but merely from the incapacity of the subject it shines upon. You see, the law is weak because it speaks to the flesh. The work of the Spirit transforms us by the crucifixion of the old person, and it imparts the new person within us. When every one of us uh, gives our life to the Lord, and then we are baptized in water, and we have that uh, if you're over here, it's quite literal. We have that symbolism of being put into a grave and coming up in new life. That's the transformation that takes place in our life when we give our life over to Jesus and follow him. One author wrote this, A vine does not produce grapes by an act of parliament. They are the fruit of the vine's own life. So the conduct which conforms to the standard of the kingdom is not produced by any demand not even God's, but is the fruit of that divine nature which God gives as a result of what he has done in and by Christ. The fruit of your life is a response to the work of God within you. It's the response to all those times where we've sacrificed for God's kingdom and called upon his name for help and rescue in a time of need. You see, we want fruit that is produced by the Spirit within us. Let me tell you, church, if the fruit that I produce is just out of my flesh, it will rot, it will smell, it will look horrible, guaranteed. But I want the fruit of my life produced by the Spirit of God that's within me. As I mentioned off the top, the Spirit is working. The Spirit is working. Our second uh, point for today is this. Recognize the flesh. The simplest form or example of flesh over spirit are sayings like this. So I'm going to try, have, try to have a little fun. But these are the sorts of things we would say or think when we're thinking flesh over the spirit. We think or say things like, I'll spend time with God tomorrow. That's my flesh speaking. 
because God wants me to spend time with him today. We may say something or think something like this, I have an appointment, so I'll skip that opportunity again to be at a church function or a church fellowship time. Oops, I bought canned goods to give to the church this month, but I ate them all. That's, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Okay. I'm making a significant, maybe we say things like, I'm making a significant financial decision. I think it's right, so I'll just go for it instead of waiting for the Lord to affirm what I want to do. Every time, this is a personal one for me, every time I go to Costco, it's a battle of the flesh for me, all right? For my stomach, for my garage, for my entertainment system, it's a battle of the flesh. One commentator wrote this, we shouldn't think those who set their minds on the things of the flesh are only notorious sinners, They may be noble people who have good intentions. Peter meant well when he told Jesus to avoid the cross. But Jesus responded to Peter with these strong words. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? You see, being mindful of the things of God is a mindset shift that you and I need to make. It's caring for the least of these around us, stopping to recognize the Spirit's call in a moment of chaos, leaning into what the Spirit is whispering in a storm of life, as well as hearing the Spirit's voice in a quiet moment. It's pausing in the midst of life's most busy and troubled times to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You see, God's plans are great for every one of us, But even with his great love for us, we must be mindful of the things of God. Just because he loves us doesn't mean we just ignore everything that he's trying to tell us. We need to be mindful of him. Ask yourself today, am I mindful of the things of God? As I reflect on that question I've just asked you, I need to be more mindful of the things of God. Galatians 5 verse 24 says, Those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Our past is gone if we have Christ in our life. It's over. It's gone. You see, flesh leads to death. A spirit of giving isn't a part of the flesh. Our mind on the spirit and spiritual our mind on the spirit and spiritual things brings life and peace. If life isn't full, if you aren't Filled with peace, you must continue to dwell on the spirit that is within you. Pastor, I'm troubled. I I can't think clearly. I can't, uh, things don't seem right in my life right now. I've had so many people come to me over the years and things are just out of alignment from a little bit to a lot. And I ask us this question today. Are Are we relying on the spirit that is dwelling within us? Or am I relying on my flesh? What are we asking of the Lord? What are we relying on? Ask the Lord for a fresh feeling in those times of need. How many of you would agree with me today that we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? How many of you would agree with me? So let's pray. Come, Lord, and fill us again. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We need a fresh anointing to fall upon us today. Amen. One commentator wrote all that god requires of us has been satisfied by the sacrifice of jesus christ 
The life of Jesus in us is enough to satisfy God. The power of new life is not the works of our weak humanity, but the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit released in us. Do you believe that today? That the Holy Spirit released within you is a dynamic power, a force that cannot be contended with. You see, church, Jesus within us is enough. In fact, like I said last week, he is more than enough. He is more than enough. Our third point today is this, flesh and spirit. Can the flesh and spirit coexist? Can the flesh and spirit coexist? I like simple answers, and the simple answer is no. (laughs) A mind of flesh is always hostile towards God. It's like two magnets of the same polarity coming towards one another. They won't connect. It's against the laws. As the scripture says, it does not submit to God's law. The flesh doesn't submit to God's law. Another way of looking at it is this. One author wrote this. They said, 150 years ago, it would have been thought insane that a jumbo jet filled with people could fly. The law of gravity made it impossible for even a a feather to remain in the air. Yet we know that when a certain object moves at a particular speed, it moves out of the law of gravity into a higher law, the law of aerodynamics, even though the law of gravity still remains. The world thinks that the Christian is insane to live for Jesus Christ. But we know that even though there is the law of sin and death, we live in a higher law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. That's where we operate. When I was a youth pastor, one of my greatest struggles was seeing young people make the connection in their minds and spirit that you can't serve God and the world. It's like oil and water. You can't put them together. You see, God doesn't want to be an accessory to who we are. He wants to be within who we are. There was a Bible song when I, uh, sorry, there was a song when I was in Bible school I remember so well. The song said this, it said that the Lord dances around us. He surrounds us. His love is wide and deep and great. See, God's love for us is so passionate and great that he doesn't want us walking around with him like he's an accessory in our carrying bag. He wants to be within us completely. He wants to be number one in our lives. If you and I are leading lives in the spirit, Every part of who we are contains the Spirit. It's oozing out of us. It's kind of gross, but it's, it's, it's oozing right out of us. It's coming out of every part of who we are. There was a family I got to know just before Arlene and I got married. They were great people. Their kids were just a little younger in age than me and all very talented. But more importantly, they were uh, totally committed to the Lord. They were a great example, this family, to all of us because... As a couple and family, they loved each other deeply. This husband and wife, they loved each other deeply. You could see it in all of their actions. To be honest with you, when I first met them, have you ever met someone and that you just think they're fake? Have you ever felt like that? Like, you cannot be like that all the time. I know when we leave, you guys are throwing things at each other. You're duking it out. You know, have you ever felt like that? That's how I, the first time I was around these people, I thought, yeah, right, was my thought. 
I remember the husband and his contagious love for God. You could be in his garage working on a car, and he'd find a way to turn it into a conversation about God. It was amazing. I, can't, I don't have that gift. It was amazing. Both he and his wife were full of faith. They were such an inspiration to those of us who were just kind of coming into our adult years at the time. This man tragically died a few years later uh, of this family, and it's amazing to see how his wife has carried on with great faith without her husband. With a tragic death, it was, uh, uh, no one could see it coming. But she's carried on with great faith for her and her family. They were, and she still is, contagious with their faith. They, they didn't have to put it on. It was just who they were. It was just who they were. You see, God is calling us to be people. We're just being in our pre- presence. Others can feel faith rising in their lives. I believe that within this room is great faith. I believe that today. You see, you may not see it in your life today or believe that you have it, but I can see great faith. Faith that can shake the foundations of our region. Faith that will no longer settle for what's just okay or what seems to be second best or we don't need to achieve the greatest. No, we have faith to see God do great, amazing things. I see faith in you that changes your family and your children's children. How do I see this? Because the Spirit of God is within me. That's how I see it. That's how I can look into your face and your eyes and see great faith in the great things that God is calling you to. Our fourth and final point today is this. You are spirit. Pastor, how can I have Great faith may be a question that's crossed your mind. How do you see faith within me? I believe for things in the past, and it hasn't happened. Maybe those are some of the thoughts in your mind. Maybe you think, God doesn't seem to use my great faith. Well, let me remind you today, the Spirit of God dwells within you. That's what our scripture says. That's what the chapter of Romans so specifically teaches us. With the Spirit of God, we can do great things. Like feed our community, clothe those in need, and give clean water to a whole school community in Honduras. That doesn't happen by mistake or circumstance. That happens by the Spirit of God working within us. When you are in the Spirit, you are in the Spirit's domain. Don't forget it. When you are in the Spirit, you are in the Spirit's domain. In the Spirit's domain, you see things differently. It's like placing a lens over your eyes that shows you something different in the atmosphere around you. Something that's changing, something that's never been there before. There were a few treasure hunting films that came out a number of years ago, and I enjoyed them. In one of the films, some of the answers to the trail of mystery was within these glasses that contained multiple lenses. If you looked at a map, you'd see different things on the map depending on which lens was used in that moment. You see, a spirit-led life leads us to look at things differently. 
That's the word of the Lord. A spirit-led life leads us to look at things differently. When it comes to give tober, I believe that we need to be led by the Spirit. I have a book of liturgy in my office that I've mentioned to some of you a few times. I haven't found a use for it in one of our services uh, to share with everyone. Uh, hopefully they will at some point. But in it contains words of praise and adoration to the Lord for the simplest things in life. One of my favorite ones is it's, there's a liturgy for thanking God for changing diapers. I would never have thought that. But there is one there. There's two of them, actually. Th- what if everything that we did was completely spirit-led? I won't read you guys that one, okay? <laughs> what if everything that we did was completely spirit-led? Your expectation of me is that um, I would lead the, uh, how, and how I lead the church and preach sermons, the prayers that are prayed, the decisions that are made by myself and our leadership, that they're led by the Holy Spirit. I have those same expectations of myself. I don't want to make Jason decisions for a whole body of, of believers. <laughs> I want to make Holy Spirit decisions for a whole body of believers. What if every one of us, every time that we, face, we were faced with a decision, we simply asked God first? We simply asked God first. Today I'm going to ask a question to you that I want you to answer sincerely within your spirit. Jackie, can you help me? I forgot to tell you when to come. The spirit is working. Church, are you willing to be led 100% by Holy Spirit? Think about that. Think about it for exactly as I've said it. Are you willing to be led 100% by Holy Spirit? You see, church, today I need some people to rise up and say, yes, pastor, I'm going to be led 100% by the Holy Spirit. This isn't just a silly call, a, a silly request. I'm sincerely saying it to everyone in this room. Everything we do this month with Givetober, we are nothing if not led by the Holy Spirit. We're nothing. The Spirit has led me to challenge our church to do more when it comes to giving. That's a spirit initiative. My flesh wouldn't think of that. I'm selfish. I only think of myself most of the time. But the Spirit has led us to that. I've been a part of churches, and honestly, as a church, when I was a part of them, we've done great things, but I've not always seen the impact of our giving. Some churches are happy to write a check so that it looks good in their budget or they can say that they wrote a check to so-and-so. Church Givetober for our church is above and beyond our regular giving. It's in addition to everything else that we're doing here. Some would call me crazy or some other words that I can't say in church. But the truth is I don't really care because this is what the Spirit of the Lord has instructed us to do. This is the year of the harvest. That's what this year's theme is for our church. And Givetober is part of that harvest. Romans 8 verse 11 says, God raised Jesus to life. 
And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. I believe that the spirit of the Lord wants to declare this to us in this house today. He wants to breathe life back into us. Or even into us for the first time, I don't know. But he wants to breathe life into us. Maybe my family thinks I'm a little crazy. Well, get ready. There's more coming. <laughs> so today, let's pray. And as I, as I pray with you today, and as you pray along with me, I'm going to ask who here would commit with me to be 100% spirit-led.